This morning, I want to take as my text that reading from uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 30. And uh, if you have your Bible handy, I want to encourage you to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning at verse 12. That's after the Gospels and Acts and Romans, and then you come uh, to 1 Corinthians. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning at verse 12, uh, which I want to read again just so it's fresh in our minds. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning at verse 12. Uh, and the Paul writing to the believers at Corinth uh, wrote, and just, he says, just as the body, a human body, is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ, he says. For if one, if for in one or by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. And if the foot should say, be, say because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would, the, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would be the body? But as it is, there are many parts and yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed first in the church apostles and second prophets, third teachers, and then those who work miracles and then gifts of healing, helping gifts, gifts of administration, and various kinds of tongues or languages. All are, are not apostles, are they? Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And of course, the expected answer is no. <laughs> this morning, I want to talk about the human body as a metaphor for our life together as the church, the body of Christ. The human body is a metaphor for our life together as the church, the body of Christ. 
Indeed, Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the New Testament, called the message, uh, put it this way. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as the church. Listen to that again. Peterson says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as the church. Now, it's not difficult to uh, imagine that uh, Paul might have come up with this uh, metaphor all on his own. Uh, but, but truth be told, the seed of the metaphor actually finds its origin in Jesus. Uh, and this will make sense to you uh, because this first passage, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 25 and verse 40, is something that will be very familiar with to you. But you remember Jesus, uh, how he said that truly I say to you as as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. As much as you did it to the least of one of these, my brothers or sisters, people that are associated with me, you did it unto me. Or the apostle Paul, um, you remember, was stopped by Jesus, the risen Christ, the risen and ascended Christ, when he was on his way to Damascus, and he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christian believers there, uh, Jewish Christian believers, as it happens. And uh, he was stopped by Jesus. But you remember some of the dialogue, and, and we read this in Acts chapter 9, and beginning at verse 4. And Paul, or he was as he was called then, Saul, and falling to the ground, Saul heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And so seemingly this is why the Apostle Paul often refers to the church uh, as the body of Christ, namely because uh, of the way that uh, Jesus himself relates to those who believe in him, uh, so that how one uh, treats uh, one of those who believe in him is the way that we treat Christ himself. And then here Paul expands uh, on this uh, human body uh, metaphor. And he, in fact, he, 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 uh, uh, he it becomes a sort of a full-blown metaphor to describe how fellow believers are meant to relate to one another as members of what he says in our passage, members of the church, the body of Christ. And so let's take a closer look at, uh, at that and beginning with the human body, what it is and how it works. Now, relative to uh, what the human body is, one way uh, to put it uh, might be to say that the human body is a system of unified diversity, a system of unified diversity. Indeed, the human body is made up of many parts, many members. You have the head and the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears, the nose, etc. And yet the human body is one thing. Indeed, notice again in our text, uh, verses 12 and then verse 14. Uh, Paul says just as what I just said. <laughs> uh, he says, and just as the body, the human body, which is the basis of his metaphor here, just as the human body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, 
And then he says, and so it is with Christ. And we'll have more to say about that later. But notice verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member. The body is not just one big head or one big nose or one big eye. The body does not consist of one member, but of, mem of many. And so a, a system of unified diversity, if you like. And at this point, Paul is, is talking specifically about the human body. And what he says is that with, uh, with, without the many parts, uh, uh, there would be no body. Uh, indeed, uh, notice uh, verses 18 through 20. There is no body without all of the parts. Notice that verse 18 and 20. Uh, but it, as it is, Paul says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Uh, and if all were a single member, just as he, this is we read in verse 14, and if all of the members were just a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. And again, unity in the midst of diversity and so paul says that god is the creator of the human body i think we all assumed that to be true and he mentions it here uh, indeed uh, he's the one who designed it uh, and as paul says he arranged the various parts or members the hand is where uh, where they the hands are where they are and the head is where it is and the feet and so on, the eyes and the ears and the nose, and they all of that works pretty well, doesn't it? Uh, just as uh, he, God, uh, chose uh, to arrange them. And Paul says that um, uh, if uh, all of the parts were only a, a single member or a single thing, uh, just a head or just a hand or just a foot or just an eye, he asks the question, where would the body be indeed? The answer to that question is there wouldn't be a body at all. In fact, if you should find a, a, a body parts somewhere and you wouldn't say, well, I found a body, you would say I found a hand or something along those lines. But as it happens, God created the body uh, to be a singular thing and that with many parts, a unity in the midst of diversity. And Paul says that every part of the body has an important and unique function within the body. Indeed, Paul says that even those parts that might seem less important maybe than other parts of the body are in fact indispensable to the body. Indeed, notice uh, verses uh, 15 through 17. Notice what he says. And if, the, and if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Indeed, if, if, uh, if, if you can imagine that, that any one of us uh, were a foot, uh, within the body, perhaps we might be tempted to imagine that we uh, weren't as important as a foot, as important as the hand. Uh, indeed, as, as, a, as a foot, we might uh, uh, suffer from feelings of inferiority. 
that uh, we might uh, think of ourselves uh, even to the point of, of not feeling like we were a part of the body at all, not a true member of it. But Paul says, but that wouldn't be true regardless of how we feel. Uh, indeed, the foot is a very important uh, part of the body, uh, as Paul says, as is the ear. And even if the ear uh, should think lowly of itself because it's uh, not an eye, it still would be an important uh, part of the body. Uh, indeed, uh, without the ear, where is the hearing? Or without the nose, <laughs> where is the smelling? And so even those parts that might seem less important are in fact indispensable to the body. And Paul says that those parts of the body that might seem more important, uh, in fact, are, are, are not enough uh, uh, without the other parts. Notice verses uh, 21 through 26. And he, say, he says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the, uh, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are in fact indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Indeed, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the, part, to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, no division amongst the parts of the body or the members that make it up, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together, and if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so the eye can't really get on without the hand. Think about it. The eye may see, see something that it wants. If it doesn't have a hand, it can't grasp it, uh, nor the head, the feet. We might have a mind to go one place or another, but without feet, we wouldn't get there. Indeed, those parts of the body that uh, we might uh, think are weaker or less important, uh, maybe in comparison to the other parts of the body, are, as we've said, and as Paul says here, indispensable. And in fact, indispensable to the design and the intended function of the body as God created it. And Paul says that even those parts of the body that we think it, uh, as a needing protection from public view, I don't need, I don't suppose, to go into any detail about that. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, we honor and protect and clothe those parts. And so even attention is given to that. And so, in fact, there is no part of the body, seen and unseen, if you like, that we don't care for, that we don't honor, that doesn't matter to us. In fact, I was thinking about that uh, famous uh, verse from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 29 is oftentimes read uh, at a wedding. Uh, but the verse 29, uh, it, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers, and no one ever hated his own body, no part of it, but nourishes and cherishes it. And Paul says that if uh, one part of the body suffers, uh, all the other parts suffer with it. 
I don't know if you've ever smashed your finger in a in a door jam or something like that. The the, the pain of it is not just uh, uh, centralized are limited to the finger or whatever it is that you might have smashed. Uh, but to, as you've experienced it, the pain from head to toe uh, affects the, the whole body. Uh, and, and, and as he says, and if one part of the body is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. If an opera singer sings, it's not just about the, the vocal cords or the mouth. Uh, but the whole person, in fact, we name that person and we celebrate and we uh, show our appreciation. Uh, and so the whole body, the whole person uh, is honored uh, and celebrated. Uh, and in all of this, the body is not divided, regardless of its separate parts, because the body is a unit. The body is one. And Paul says that the human body is a metaphor for how we're meant to live together as the church, as the people of God. Indeed, notice again, uh, verse, beginning at verses 12 and 13. And just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13, for in one or by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, all of those differences are all wiped away, uh, regardless of those things that would otherwise um, separate us. All of that is removed in Christ. For in by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, that is the body of Christ, Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, all were made to drink or partake of one spirit. And then notice verse 27, and now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And in other places, Paul is very, very clear. And this is what he means here, that the body of Christ is the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says that the church, uh, the body of Christ. And so if we're, Paul says, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are the church, uh, or if you like, the body of Christ. And the church, he says, is one body. There are indeed, there aren't many bodies of Christ. Uh, the, 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 the church in other countries, the church in other places where the primary language is different than our own, where cultures are different. And political systems are different. It's all one church. We're all united with them because we've all been baptized by the Spirit of God, placing us into the body of Christ, placing us into the church. We've all been part, takers of the Holy Spirit, and the, notwithstanding those things that uh, make us different, we are one. And interestingly enough, we're one with the church that existed before us. The church that exists in heaven, that's waiting uh, for the, the kingdom yet to come and the resurrection and so on. Just one church. Jesus is, there's not many bodies, uh, but one. And the church, the body of Christ, is made up of many members, just like a human body. And by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 
uh, each member is spiritually united to Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is important, united to one another, just like the members of, of, of a human body are united in one, like the hand to the foot and the eye to the ear, etc. As Paul was making much of this metaphor that he's using. And each of us, and this is important as well, each of us is indispensable to the body. However, you or someone else might be tempted either to think that what who we are and what we do doesn't matter, or who we are and uh, what we do is more important than everything and everybody else. Each of us have a different function, and each of us is indispensable to being a healthy church, being a, the a healthy segment and part of the body of Christ. Notice again, beginning at verse 27, and now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And then notice verse 28, and God has appointed, notice this divine, uh, this uh, divine prerogative, and God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles or workers, those who work miracles, and gifts of healing, and those who uh, have a helping gift, uh, those who do administration, and various kinds of tongues. And then he says, and, and then he asks this question, because this is important, <laughs> because we might think that everybody should be doing what we're doing. If we're a hand in the church, we might think that everybody in the church should be a hand. Uh, or if we're, if we're a, 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 you know, something else, an eye in the church, everybody should be an eye. But he asks this rhetorical question with the intended no as an answer. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Of course not. And so the point is, is that all of us are part of the body. All of us have an important role to play, a ministry to perform, and that service or ministry is in fact indispensable. Now, if you aren't sure uh, how God has equipped you specifically to function within the church, this, this is just one uh, short list of, of gifts in the church. Uh, in, in some of Paul's other writings, he, he references others. Um, Peter references others. I, the point really isn't the list per se, I'm quite sure that there are others that are not listed in the New Testament. Maybe some that we see in the Old Testament are, are gifts that, such as music and 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 so on, that you uh, found amongst the Levites, etc., and uh, other things that are related to the arts. But that's not the point. Uh, the, the, the the but the question is, what is God calling me to do, uh, and, and specifically, what has He equipped me to do? relative to my ministry uh, within the church. Uh, well, I, I have always said, um, begin serving where service is needed and see what God does. Um, I, in my own life, and this was a, something that was taught fairly regularly, actually, in uh, the church where I was when I was a teen, uh, after I had been converted, uh, sort of a radical conversion experience, 
Um, uh, but um, and and so I was very interested to uh, get going uh and and uh, and do something uh for god and i remember uh, one uh, tuesday evening where it was on tuesdays that we had uh, uh youth uh ministry uh, and the youth leader said that we need uh, someone uh to clean the quinnan house that's where we met uh for our, our for our meetings uh once a week before we have our meetings uh so the the, the boards were clean and the uh, the floors were vacuumed and the chairs were set up and all that sort of thing well i couldn't put my hand up fast enough and i and i got it they said okay thompson you're you're the guy uh and uh, i was 15 i almost hate to say but it, sort of an illustration of how eager i was i drove illegally from the couple of towns over where i lived to go do that and picked up another kid so so i recruited him to come uh, and help me and then when they said um uh, we, in the church, we need ushers. I said, I, I want to do that. Uh, and my grandparents bought me a jacket and a tie because that was required at the time. And I didn't have those things. And so I served as an usher. Uh, and then in the meantime, I was reading the Bible and I was sharing that with others. Uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I went to the uh, local rescue mission and talked with uh, Malcolm Lee and said, hey, I'm Scott Thompson and I've got the summer before I go off to college. Um, and I wanted to know, is there anything that I can do uh, to serve here? And he said, I remember you uh, and you came with the youth group at Easter time and you gave your testimony and you shared from the word of God. And he said, why don't you take the Friday spot? And I said, well, what do you what do you mean the Friday spot? And he said, well, before the, the before our guests uh, have lunch, we have a service. Uh, we, we sing some songs and we have a, a presentation of the word of God. Why don't you be the teacher? Why don't you be the preacher? And and I was as it happened, I went away to college and came back to and continued college uh, in the in that area. And I went back and I did ministry at the at the mission for for quite some time. But it all began, I think, with a desire just to do whatever was required. I, I often think about this. Jesus uh, said that Jesus, Jesus washed the disciples feet, didn't he? And then he said, um, and, and do to one another what I have done to you. I don't know if there's a gift of foot washing, uh, but it is expressive of a, of a willingness and a desire uh, to do what um, needs to be done and to be available and to be of service to the other members of the body of Christ, to be a functioning member that brings health and allows uh, the church to get on with what it needs uh, to get on with. I always appreciated what uh, one of my professors and a seminary, uh, Dr. Geisler used to say, uh, even God can't uh, steer a parked car. <laughs> and the point was that, uh, that if you want God to give you direction, you need to get moving. And once the car is moving, once you're moving, then God can direct you into that specific area where he has especially equipped you uh, for service. So anyway, the human body as a metaphor for our life together as the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, what a privilege it is to be of service to you. And there's, there's nothing too lowly. When we think of washing one another's feet, I'm, in Jesus's day, as you know, Lord, <laughs> I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, 
but it was the work of slaves. In fact, the reason why Jesus uh, had to wash the disciples' feet is because none of the other disciples wanted to do anything like that. And so they said, better to have your feet dirty than to wash one another's feet like a common slave. And yet Jesus did it and said, now if I, I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. And so, Lord, um, as we might contemplate, what is it, Lord, that you want us to do in the church? Help us to remember that none of that can be done like Christ would do it without Christ-like humility and a willingness to do anything in service to him and in service to the members of your church. And so lead us and guide us, Lord, and help us to understand this is not a spectator sport. Um, we might, because consumerism is so much on our hard, hard drive, we might imagine that uh, being a part of the church is just sitting and listening and, and walking in and walking out. Um, but what you want us to do is you want us to be a functioning body. And uh, you have something for every one of us uh, to do, to participate, uh, whatever that might be. And so lead us and guide us, we pray. Give us wisdom and direction, and most of all, give us humility and willing, uh, willingness to serve, even as your son served. Help us to remember his words, that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Help us never to forget that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.